Now, here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Well, yes, I'm here, but we also have some music somewhere in our system. And, of course, Kenny being gone today, uh, he did not uh, let our, uh, our, our, our part-time... I, I, I know you, where the music is. I have you? it. Okay. I have it ready for the for the uh, outros. Well, let's put it. Let's put it on. Let the sawdust fly. You want music. It now? All right. Yeah. Stand let's do it. Blotch the fur, the mighty Scots pine, the smell of fresh cut timber, the crash of mighty trees. With my best girl by my side, we'd sing, sing. We sing. sing. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. He's a lumberjack and he's okay. He's okay. He sleeps all night and he works all day. I cut down trees, I eat my lunch, I go to the lavatory. I love that part the best. I go to the lavatory. (laughs) Peter Wood, welcome to another another Let the Sawdust Fly. Well, Brad, thank you. It's a beautiful day out. Now, I don't know where to start. I'm all messed up. <laughs> I know. He's I the, know. Tyler threw me a curveball, and I don't know what to do. But uh, we're just I, I'm just following his directions. But uh, anyway, Brad, <laughs> Brad, it's well, a beautiful day we've all day thrown. Out. It is a beautiful it day. Is. We've all thrown Tyler balls this morning. He didn't know we're up in the air, so it's, it's a good thing that everything is working out. Yeah. Let me throw you one before you introduce your guest today, which right. I am fascinated to listen to their story, really. I mean, I think it's going to be very, very interesting. But if if you are listening, if you're a regular listener to this show, you know that we have had regular sponsors to this show. People like we just had on, Lady O'Collett, who has been advertising on this show for about 14 years. And, and we have other regular advertisers, many of them. And here's a note I got this morning from one of our listeners, and you'll appreciate this, uh, uh, Peter. Mm-hmm. It comes from, I'm only going to mention her first name, a lady by the name of Judy that's from up on the range. She said, we were scrounging for firewood. We were having a hard time coming up with firewood. So we called Peter Wood. He delivered within two weeks. We need special kind of window to be replaced at our home. No one in Hibbing would help us. So we contacted Jim Peralt. And we're doing business with Jim Prault from Jim Prault Construction. So, Northlanders, if you think advertising on our show doesn't work, there's two examples right there that it does work. Now, Peter, with that with that in mind, I know you don't do firewood as a regular business, but have you ever thought about doing that as a side job? Uh, it's very, it's pretty much that's all it is. The main thing that is just to do a little bit. The main thing is going to the main mills and that kind of it's because in a commercial way, yeah, it it yeah. gets pretty difficult to do it that way. But we do a little bit to just uh, it, to make a little income, and that's I don't advertise on here because I I feel I would be wrong doing that. So, um, folks, it's 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 I thank you and I thank the folks up there and uh, the sponsors like Jim Peralt. Well, Judy Judy said it was fantastic. She oh. uh she had been scrounging trying to find somebody to get wood from and 
she talked to you, and within two weeks, she had all she needed. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, we try and please, but uh, there's something we can't get to. But uh, today, Brad, we have some very good uh, folks all the way from the state of Virginia in the southern part by North Carolina border, and their name is Palmer and Nicole Duggar. And Palmer is a second generation, and Nicole is actually somebody that fell in love with a logger. And that we'll have to talk about a little bit and see if she needs an examination or something. But anyway, anyway, we do have a nice couple that we're going to talk about how they got what happened to Palmer and his family, um, and how he went, uh, how his life kind of changed. And uh, Palmer and Nicole, are you both there? Yeah. Yes, we are. Great, uh, Palmer. Super. Could you introduce yourself a little bit to the folks out there, Nicole? Yeah. Well, I'm a second generation logger. Uh, my Right in Broadnecks, a little town called Broadnecks, Virginia, right near the line, the North Carolina line. My dad started logging in the early 80s, and I I started, kind of took the business over in uh, 04, into 04, first to 05. Um, I'm about 35 now. i got two kids, and uh, logging every day. So Palmer, you started uh, what you started working with your father, with your father in the woods when you were just a teenager. Is that kind of the case? Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I was actually running uh, a skitter all day long when when I was age eleven, and um, got on there the first day, and uh, it was during the summertime, and, and he didn't he didn't make me get off, so I stayed on it all day and. <laughs> I was on it every day after that. <laughs> <laughs> he had you hooked. <laughs> yeah. Right. If he didn't tell you to get off, you must have been doing it okay. <laughs> oh, wow, that that's that's something. Age eleven, doing a man's job, and and then uh, how how did uh, Nicole? Could you explain to the folks out there? Um, how did you ever meet a logger? Well, Palmer and I actually met. Um, went to the same preschool, um, but fast forward, you know, many years from then, and we started dating in high school in about 2005. We we um, we dated on and off in, for a few years, and then we uh, we got married in 2011. So okay, we were married about 11 years. Wow, wow. So 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 you you knew each other at a very young age. And then uh, you started dating in high school. Um, Palmer, could you could you elaborate a little bit on how you went from high school stuff? This is where I found a great story here, folks. Is could you explain? Would you be willing to explain to the folks out there what happened and what you did and how you did it? Could you explain that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my dad. Uh, he was he was forty nine. He was um, strong. As strong as I, perfect health, and he ended up having a massive stroke. It was in the end of 2004, and um, it from that point on he couldn't run a logging business anymore. Um, so I stepped up. That was the end of my sophomore year, and um, I kept the business running. I'd work every afternoon after school, and work every summer and every Saturday, and um, I just I did what I what I had to do to, to keep the business running um, with the guys that were out there working. And we, we just did limp by and make it until I got out of high school and 
when I got out of high school, I went in, went straight into it full time and, and, you know, got, got the business back up, up on its feet. You know. So it was a long struggle, but during those days, how, how, how did you go to school and work at the same time? Could you explain that a little bit? Oh yeah, it was tough. Um, I'd be the only truck in the parking lot with a welder and an air compressor hooked to the back of it. <laughs> a little bit of obviousness here, or what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The chainsaw hanging in the ri- in the rifle rack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, the teachers they would get upset because the phone would be ringing in class. And I'd go go after school, and the guys, you know, we had working. They were they were working during the day, but you know, I, obviously, I had to do a lot. Um, maintenance and making sure they had what they needed. Um, my senior year, I was actually the, the tree cutter guy. I cut all the wood because I got out of school at 12 every day. And uh, help was hard to find back then, too. And uh, I was a tree cutter guy. And I was 17, and <laughs> insurance man came in one day, and, and he asked who the cutter man was, and they, they said it, it was me. And he said, well, he's not 18, is he? No, I said. Well, he called me. He said, "You can't, you can't cut anymore until you turn eighteen. You, you can't be on the job." <laughs> at that, <laughs> at that point, I had six years experience. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're talking to the senior man here, but go ahead, explain some more. It's pretty cool. <laughs> so, so I, I was two more months before I turned eighteen. So. I cut all day Saturday and all day Sunday for the next two months because uh, I knew he wasn't working on the weekend. <laughs> right. <laughs> it almost sounds like you're doing shine or something, but you're actually trying to just work at a man's job after school on the weekends because, Palmer, if, if you wouldn't have done that, would your family business have made it? No, no. There's, there's no way. Uh, my dad, you know, he worked hard, acquired assets, you know, land and things like that and uh, we, I'm without a doubt in my mind we'd have lost all that if I couldn't have keep, kept the business running think, think on Homer, that Homer was your uh, I, I missed uh, at the beginning there but was your dad able to come back into the business mm-hmm. at some point or was he out of it completely at that point he was out completely um, he's still alive and well now you know he, but he's, he's disabled from the stroke um and that sure. stroke happened from uh, injury at some point in his life. Uh, it in- damaged our artery, and um, and that's what caused wow. it. But but um, but t- today, you know, he 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 drives. He he goes, gets me parts, and he does what he can. But uh, he's he's not physically able to uh, you know to run a business. But he's sure. he's remarkable. He's he's a he's a truly remarkable and does uh, does very good. So he's out there helping well, he with had, what he can. Yeah, he That's had right. to be. Uh, he had to be so proud that you were able to step up at that young age, and uh, and pretty much save the family business. Yeah, wouldn't you say that, Palmer? Because if if you went to done this, what would have happened? Really, realistically, you probably would have lost your house, your business, your land, and everything if you went to stepped up. Yeah, I didn't see any other way. I mean, you know. We'd have had to sell off the assets, you know, to take care of him, you know, to make sure he had enough income, um, you know, and 
if I'd, you know, I'd, I'd have to have some money to go to college if, if I was going to go a different route, I guess. Um, sure. But, Paul, but it, is, is your operation basically a, 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 a one-man or one-family operation, or do you have other employees as well? Yeah. At the time my dad stroke, um, I think we had uh, five employees. Okay. Dad was kind of, you know, just, just a regular, regular kind of smaller logger. Um, we had to kind of compete, sure. you know, keep up with the times. Uh, you know, we had to kind of grow, just grow to stay in business in this area. Uh, so, so today we employ about thirty people. Wow. That's fantastic. Now, what predominantly, what kind of wood do you log down there close to uh, North Carolina in, in the Virginia area? What kind of, what kind of timber is, is uh, the, probably the thing you do the most of? Most, mostly live all the time. Um, we, you know, we cut hardwood. We do chipping, thinning. Um, but, you know, the majority of it is live all the time. Mostly all the paper meals, OSB meals, fireboard meals. Okay. Do you have enough mills down in that area to keep you pretty well busy all the time? Um, they they keep us moving, but uh, we're in need of markets. We we um, it's a struggle at sometimes. Are you overcapacitated, or is it just that you need new markets, or is keep the old markets? Well, it's, it's we, we could use more markets, so definitely. I mean, I, I got a phone call today. One of the meals we hauled to is not going to buy any more wood till the end of September, um, and that's a you know for the next three four weeks we got to figure out what we're going to do. You know, so it would have been nice you know nice to have a, a market to go to in the meantime. Uh, and folks out there, well, now look at this situation. He's got all these employees. You don't want to lose them. And all of a sudden you get a, a curveball thrown at you and it hits you right in the, between the eyes. And you're just trying to scramble. What do I do? Because you got to keep these markets going because it's it's like a machine. Your whole operation's like a machine. Isn't that right, Palmer, for you guys? Yeah. Yeah, we got, you know, our, our payments come, our taxes come, every, all our bills come every month. And, um... And the families, you know, the art workers and families that work with us, they, you know, they, they depend on that a steady paycheck. And their livelihood counts on you keeping the markets, and you need those markets because it's all hooked together. Exactly. That's, that's, Palmer, this is uh, this is Brad Bennett, uh, host of the show, and I'm I'm curious when you said hardwood. You're down close to the furniture markets, uh, you're, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina, those areas. There's a lot of big furniture manufacturers down there. Do you deliver any wood into those areas at all? We we hauled some of the local sawmills, and they haul their you know their lumber to those manufacturers. White okay. oak is a white oak is a big you know topic in our areas. Probably one of our most valuable uh, hardwood trees. I've heard that uh, the white oak is becoming a problem where trying to pr- pr- provide it, I guess you could say, it's starting to get tougher and tougher to get it. Is that true? That's right. Yeah, you know, in southern Virginia where we live, you know, every time we cut hardwood, most people replant and pine back. So um, we're trying to, trying to do what we can to start restoring the hardwood. Our, our Department of Forestry is working hard to provide some options for us. 
imagine sure. they're looking yeah. for faster turnover. You know, pines will grow yeah. faster and the cash flow comes faster. That's right. Peter, we've got we've to take a quick break here. Uh, we are a commercial radio station. We have to do a commercial break at this point. But uh, uh, Nicole and Palmer, please hang on, and we'll get right back to you after these brief messages here on Sound Off on a Wednesday afternoon. Peter, we are uh, we are back with a little woodchopper's ball there to bring us back to let the sawdust yep. fly. Yep. Uh, why don't you carry it on, Peter? Yeah. Thank you, Brad. Once again, it's it's uh, going nice. Uh, I'd like to like to talk to Nicole a little bit here because uh, Nicole was not born into the timber industry, and and uh, how she how she met Palmer and uh, how what it's like from her standpoint because there's. A ton of people out there that are never born into the timber industry or really understand what it's like or what it really takes. And from your standpoint, Nicole, could you go back in history a little bit and bring us up to present time, uh, your story of what it's what it's really like? Sure. Thanks for asking. Um, just a little backstory. Um, you know, when Palmer and I first started dating, there were most Fridays when he would come to pick me up. He was driving his service truck. Um, we had to go to the parts store. We had to make several stops to maybe pick up oil or different supplies we needed. We had to um, go stock the truck so it was ready for the next time that he was ready to go out again. I'm, I'm just um, laughing here. This is sounds, <laughs> yeah. sounds familiar, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I did that one time with my girlfriend at the time, wife now, and uh, I don't think I did it again. <laughs> but go ahead, please. Uh, there were a lot of Saturdays that I spent um, at the shop while he was working, you know, just to spend time with him. Um, I can remember um, sitting on the picnic table kind of near the shop, watching him sharpen stalls. Um, sacrifice. There was not a lot of social life. Um, it was a lot of working. And Palmer will probably tell you, you know, logging is, is not his profession, even though it, it is his profession. Logging is who Palmer is. Logging is what you get um, when you get Palmer. Um, and that continues to this day. I mean, there are still a lot of long days. There are a lot of meals in the microwave waiting for him. Um, there's always sawdust in my washing machine. Um, <laughs> but it's the life, <laughs> it's the oh, life that, we, that we live. And... Um, He's the type of person that, that makes you love logging also. So I have um, I've also acquired that same passion. And um, in 2015, um, I started helping him full time. Um, and so we just live the logging life every day. Now, Nicole, do you actually go out in the woods with them as well? Uh, or is yours more bookkeeping and office type work? I do handle the office work, um, paperwork. Um, there's a lot that, that that does entail. I mean, I will you visit bet. a job from, from time to time, um, but most of the time I am uh, behind the desk, you know, trying to get the paperwork where it needs to, to go. Sure. Yeah, she she does a full-time job uh, in the office. Um, probably the work of two people, you know, especially with the requirements that the 
federal motor carrier requires of us to keep trucks on the road. Um, that's that's one job in itself right there. And and she does all that and has to, you know, keep a house and get kids to school and get them fed and taken care of. It's a lot of... What are you guys doing with all your spare time, then? Spare <laughs> <laughs> time. Oh, that's right. You eat and sleep. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, so, Palmer, I'm... Pa- Palmer, I'm curious. What, uh, your markets that you haul to? What, what's what's about the furthest market that you haul to? Once you get a load of logs on the truck, how far do you have to go to drop it off? Um, about a hundred miles is the furthest. Okay. We, I'd say our average is probably forty. Now, are you hauling? Are you hauling to the different markets almost every day, or is, or do you cut during the week? Uh, I worked part time a couple of years out in the woods with a family operation, and we we usually hauled on Friday into Cloquet to the mill there, and that was a kind of our payday. But uh, but some operations you're hauling all the time. What's what's yours like? Yeah, we're pretty much hauling to all the markets all the time. Um, okay. And we pretty much have pretty much have to do that. Um, you, you get forgot about real quick down here. Um, you don't haul wood into a meal for a few weeks, and you know they you might not be able to get get some quota back into that meal. So kind of forced Why? to haul to the, all the markets all the time. You're constantly trying to keep that flow going to keep the cash coming because the expenses are always coming at you constantly. Yeah. Yeah. So you get like a mess. Go ahead, Brad. Sorry. Well, guys, we have to take another quick break to do our CBS News. But uh, when we come back, talk a little bit. uh, What the? uh, I'd like to hear from Nicole. Do you guys ever get a vacation? What's a? What's family like? uh, Away from the logging. So let's take our CBS News break, and then we'll come back. Sun coming up over New York City. Larch, the fur, the mighty Scotch pine, the smell of fresh-cut timber, the crash of mighty trees. With my best girl by my side, we'd sing, sing, sing. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. Yeah, now Palmer and Nicole, if if uh, if you didn't know it, that's actually Peter Woods singing that song. He kind of put that together, so we <laughs> multi-talented, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Peter. Yes. Peter, I think we've discovered something here this morning. I think Nicole can write a book, and she's already got the title of it. There's sawdust in my washing machine. <laughs> That is excellent. Yes, that's a typical logger saying, exactly. <laughs> I never thought that one, Brad. Oh, which which brings me you. to my thoughts here, Brad, is uh, I don't want to put Nicole on the spot, but Nicole, um, what would you tell other folks out there that coming into this from your heart that uh, I know you didn't marry logging, you married somebody you love, but... Um, could you elaborate if you're going to tell somebody what it's like to walk into that? I don't know if, if, if I'm putting you in the wrong spot here or not, but no, okay. you know what I'm saying? Oh, first I'd say run. <laughs> <laughs> run, fool, run. 
Okay, other than that. <laughs> uh, honestly, I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful um, profession to be in. Um, it requires a lot of long hours from Palmer, um, a lot of thinking, a lot of, um, you know, dinner conversations that revolve around work. You know, we have to sometimes literally say to each other, let's try to spend the day together and not talk about work because it it is our life. It is what we do, but it's also our life. Um, really, that's all I have to say about how it is other than just it is a sacrifice. It is a good life. It's a fun life. Um, we work hard, and we try to enjoy it when we can. It's, it's, you're, you're the farmers of the forest where you're managing the forest and it becomes, you become so entwined with it that yes, it becomes conversations. It's in, 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 enthralls you totally where this is all you're trying to do. But like Brad was saying before, do, do you as a family go, go on a vacation or something like that to just get away for at least a couple of days? Yeah. Yeah, we go to the loggers banquet every year. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, we're really stepping out here. <laughs> no, we, or we, we get to go look at all the new John Deere logging equipment. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, this is great. <laughs> we we do go on vacation, you know, but it, they're very very well earned. You know, you have to work as hard before you go, twice as hard before you get back, and. You know, and, and be prepared for them to be ruined. Also, um, I've you know had those, you know, phone calls while you're on vacation, ruin your vacation. Um, I had a machine oh, burn sure. up one time while while I was on vacation. Um, we both usually take work with us. Um, we're doing that, you know, early in the morning or, or late at night or in the middle of the day. You know, still trying to enjoy vacation, but you know, when when it's your business, it's you're not kind of there all the time, you know. If you're not there physically, you're there mentally constantly, and it's a constant right. drain. But that's it's it's kind of like, do you choose it or does it choose you? In a way, you can go back and forth on that. But it's 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 it becomes so much of your life. It does, and we found that sometimes it's easier just to take a quick weekend trip, you know, where where work kind of stays where it's at, and we're able to just. To jump right back in um, because, sure. like he said, trying to go somewhere, you really have to work like triple time before you go and triple time when you get back. Um, and you, you're thinking about that when you're on vacation, which you're going back to. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, Palmer, both you guys. This is Brad again. Do you, do you guys have any kids that are in the business, or any that uh, have indicated or shown an interest in being in, in the business? Uh, they're young. They're five and six right now. So okay. So yeah, they're, they're way too young to be. Yeah. <laughs> They'll yeah. be out in the machine next week. You're saying or what? <laughs> yeah, they're going to be operating a skitter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, saying that, I I wish people would do more with the kids starting them at an early age. Um, you know, a lot of times we get kids eighteen years old and. You know, they don't even know how to cut grass, really. Um, right. I wish people would. Right. Yeah. I wish people would spend more time. You know, I, I look back, you know, they got laws about kids being, you know, in the woods too early. But, you know, if my dad hadn't worked with me at an early age like he did, you know, we could have lost everything. 
because there's no way I could have done what I've done without the experience that I had had. Sure. I don't. But isn't that Palmer and Nicole? Isn't it when um, training kids at a young age, they should be able to go out there and be watched over carefully? You know, you did it. It should be allowed in society where you take your family because you teach them how to play sports. Why won't you teach them how to be very good workers? That's what's. That's why we're having we're having struggling times coming up finding young people because they haven't been trained how to work. Right. Yeah, and and the the drive to provide. You know, I, I take pride in providing for my family, and and I really wish I could see that more in other you know in other people. Um, and not just, you know, wanting to make money and go spend it. But, you know, the, the, the drive to want to carry a job and, and provide. And be very good at what you're doing. And so your re- your reputation is always on the line and you're always wanting to prove it right. Right. Yeah, it's exactly. got to be tough to uh, find young people that are willing to work. I, I know I talked to a guy down in Florida that has a big uh, roofing company. And I asked him, I said, uh, do you ever get any, uh, uh, do you have a lot of immigrants working? And he said, oh, yeah, most of my roofers are guys that have come to this country from other areas that know how to work hard. He said, most of the kids down here don't want to work hard. They don't want to get on a roof. They don't want to be hot. They don't want to be sweaty. And I imagine you find the same thing in the woods. Oh, absolutely. I got some wonderful guys working for me. I love them to death, but... um there's a lot of people that, that just they don't need to work and they, they don't have a reason to work. They, they don't care to provide for, you know, and I wish, wish we could just see that more. Um, I mean, it's a great sense of pride knowing, you know, that, that, that you're working and, and providing for your family. Doesn't it start at home? And that's where the biggest thing is starts at home. And then the politicians need to realize that young kids need to be able to go and work in the field, need to be able to, because it's a, a self-worth. Humans have to have a self-worth of some kind. Because if there's no self-worth, you feel like, why should I do anything? It doesn't matter anyway. you got to have something that you go for and chase after yeah. and dream and achieve. But if, if you slowly make it seem like nobody can achieve it, that's what's lacking is, is the parental guidance. And society as a whole needs to realize that if you keep making your children w- really, really soft and wimpy, that's what you're going to get as adults. Palmer had to bust his buns to do what he did. Yeah, I can't. Uh, I can't even imagine what it's like to be at seventeen years of age. Feel n- not like you're being pushed into operating the family business, but like I got to do this, or or we don't have a we don't have an income. Right. Yeah, it was tough, you know, working older people. You know, you're you're a teenager and you got a fifty year old guy working for you. You know. He doesn't respect you, you know, and they didn't expect him to. But um, you know, you got to you got to make it through, and you're at that point you're in charge. So that was a tough deal. Made you stronger. Made you more resilient. Yeah. Made you wanting to really become work at what you're doing. And uh, it's sad you had to go through that. But now looking back, look how much stronger you are, and that's what I think is lacking in society is trying to keep everybody a little bit on the soft side. Look at Brad, what you did, went through, and you got a lot stronger because of it. Yeah. 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 I'd also no doubt about that. Go ahead, Palmer. Talk about that. You, you talk about that. You know, another thing people need to do is be willing to help each other. 
um, you know, I, I put in the time and I put in the struggle and the sweat and, you know, and the stress. Um, but I did have help. You know, I had some other loggers in the area that were willing to give me advice and willing to help me, um, you know, lend me a machine if one was broke down uh, and things like that. And, you know, you, you never forget that. Um, yeah. And you're not just, I wish I could see people do that today. I mean, I wish I could help people more, but you, you don't see it very often. Um, Brad, I know we're going to be running out of time here pretty quick. If there's one yeah, question I'd like to ask uh, Palmer real yeah, quick. is please. Palmer, in your part of the country, what do you see the future for the next generation for loggers, would you say? It really scares me. Um, I, I feel that I'll be okay at my age. You know, but I figure I'm halfway through. I ought to be able to make it. You know, I don't know if, it's, if the industry will be there for my son. Um, you know, with the regulations that keep coming on us every year, um, you know, between meals and, and the government, um, you know, these fuel prices, I mean, you know, that, that's real stuff for us. And it really scares me if this industry will be here. You know, I'm worried that one day, you know, it might collapse and it won't be, you won't be able to bring it back because, uh, you know, we are a unique um, industry. You know, unique loggers are unique doing what they're doing. And you just don't, you know, replace them like talking about. Yeah. And it yeah. does scare me. It takes a lot of work to build that knowledge up a lot. And it's still I think, there. I think, uh, Peter, everybody is feeling that way, that uh, with the price of everything going up and uh, and not necessarily what you're getting from the mills and things, that the price of that is not going up to compensate for the differences. It becomes very difficult for, in any kind of job. Mm-hmm. But look, uh, Peter, we have got to take our break and, and wrap this segment up, but... I I, uh, want to thank both Palmer and his wife, Nicole, and, of course, you, Peter, for bringing us this uh, segment always, every month. It's so enlightening and so refreshing to hear, especially from other parts of the country like this, from Virginia and North Carolina, that you're struggling with through the same struggles that you you struggle here with, Peter. Yes, and thank you, Brad, once again for allowing us to come on once a month. And folks out there listening, thank you. And Palmer and Nicole, thanks a lot, and hope to be here next month again and uh, keep uh, letting the sawdust fly, even if it's in the dishwasher or the clothes washer. (laughs) (laughs) It's in the dishwasher, too, now. you you got to get right in that book, Nicole. (laughs) I'm telling you. (laughs) Thank you once again, folks. It's a pleasure. Thank you. All right. Thank you. we uh, we got to take our Minnesota news break. Uh, We'll be right back with more. Well, we are back. Yes, we are back here on Sound Off, hour number two. Uh, we're going to be uh, very quickly running out of time in this hour, too, but I want to thank Peter again for his guests. It's always always interesting to hear about logging, especially in other parts of the country, because you think uh, it's going to be so much different than it is right here, but it's really not. It's uh, it, we, You have the same problems. Almost everywhere, you've got to try to find enough money to make ends meet on a regular basis. You've got costs of uh, everything from fuel to labor to everything else going up. And it's very, very difficult times uh, that we live in to be operating a business. And it's uh, fun to hear that from uh, from Peter. So, Peter, we look forward to the last, uh, last Wednesday of every month to let the sawdust fly. 
Uh, to wrap up uh, hour number two here this morning, I want to let you know that things are starting to change around the country. I got a story here out of the Star Tribune this morning that the uh, Best Buy CEO, uh, who is a woman, by the way, CEO of the company, Corey Berry, said profits are expected to be lower, but the sales environment has been challenging for Best Buy. Uh, story kind of goes like this. The second quarter profits were less than half of what they were a year ago. And she says what they're seeing happen is that uh, consumers, you and I and the people listening to this show, are changing their buying habits, mainly because of inflation. Best Buy shoppers on tight budgets scoured sales and hunted for low prices, eroding the company's sales and profits this summer. On Tuesday, the Richfield-based electronics retailer said it earned $306 million in its second fiscal quarter that ended July 30th. That's a 58% drop from a year ago. And, you know, unfortunately, most companies would be looking to take their CEO and throw them right out the door when that happened. But but companies know today that this is a completely different market that we are shifting into. Thank you, Joe Biden administration. Uh, but it, what we're seeing happen is we expect our we expected our financial results to be softer this year as we lapse some of the record sale volume that we have seen in the past. We la- lack that. However. The micro environment has been more challenged and certainly uneven, even more so than we expected, said Corey Berry, uh, said from a call for the reporter. The Wall Street expected worse. Best Buy adjusted per share profit of $1.54 a share came in above analyst projections of $1.27. Revenue of $10.3 billion well down about 13% beat analysis forecast of 12.2 billion best buy shares prices rose uh on tuesday by 1.6% uh she went on to say that i think what we are seeing today is a little bit of relief from the investment community and that things that things aren't getting much worse than they are a month ago best buy executives said they expected Comparable sales to decrease 13% from previous forecasts, 8% decline. The new estimate was on target. Best Buy's comparable sales were down one, uh, were down 12.1%. And what they're seeing again is there's high demand. There was there was high demand in the pandemic uh, period for Best Buy stuff. People were going out and buying. Uh, things to help out at home computers and technology and tvs and uh, devices people are trying to but now people have adjusted back to the pre-pandemic levels and people are trying to just get food on the table and pay for gas to get to work and back and so discretionary spending has slowed down just broadly uh, speaking about electronics in particular they've seen that barry said that this holiday season, retailers will likely see shopping behavior similar to holidays before the pandemic when consumers grad- gravitated towards sales 
and l- having less impetus on shopping early. Uh, they, so, in other words, they'll shop for those sale items, but don't expect people to come in the stores early and buy things early because uh, the economy right now says you've got to uh, spend more time looking forward to paying the the heat bill, paying for your uh, gas at the gas station and buying groceries uh, than you do uh, extra things that you might have picked up in the past. So we are uh, just about done for hour number two. Uh, we're going to switch over here and come back with the final hour here on KDAL 610 Sound Off. Uh, so stay tuned for that. We'll be coming back very shortly with much more here on Sound Off. Uh, 722-0839. We'll take your calls when we come back.